countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Mateys, and welcome back to the last comic shop of the high seas. I don't know what to do with that. Who would, who would have a comic shop on a boat? <laughs> Maybe somebody in Venice. Yeah, exactly. Everything could have sank, and or, then they just or, 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 or Hong Kong Harbor. I could see like the boat plying the waves between Kowloon and Hong Kong Island. You know, it's all on paper. one of those like Chinese junks. Where each week we come to the high seas and <laughs> my name is Chad and I'm here to say we're talking about pirates in a rapping way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, although now I have this yearning to have high sea, like the orange drink from McDonald's. I think yearning uh, <laughs> yearning is very strong. So. Well, <laughs> it's a very high up. High sea uh, and a McBLT. Nothing better. Hi guys, it's the rest of the show. I'm the I'm joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Ethan Larson for another week of the podcast here where we, again, bring you comic books. And some of the times those comic books are really timely. And this is one of those shows that I feel is really timely because not only is this one of the most popular comic book series in the entire world, but it's also just gotten a live adaptation on Netflix. What comic book is that, Ethan? It's One Piece, baby. One Piece. We're finally reading it after countless years of waiting and hoping and praying and <laughs> calling your neighbors and calling your friends and calling everybody you know to pledge $2 to get this get this book on the air, baby. And so now we're setting sail and we're going to read it and it's going to be great because it was great. Well, we're not reading, like, all of it, because I don't think we could do no. that. Like, how many no. volumes are we up to with this? It's, it's still going on today, and it started in the late 90s. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but you mentioned timeliness. Uh, so, finishing this up on my beach vacation, and I was talking to my kiddo about it, and uh, I was like, yeah, I guess there's going to be some kind of show uh, coming out for this One Piece thing. And he's like, Dad, there's there's been a show for, like... 20 years. <laughs> they like a thousand episodes. Like, oh. it's, like the, it's like the Simpsons. It just yeah, it's like there's going to be a new show, I guess. Ah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. There has been an anime for quite, quite some time, but now they're finally adapting the anime into live version with live people. And, and it debuted last week to a tremendous amount of fanfare to everybody except us at the last comic shop because I don't think any of us watched it. But... For those people that read the manga, that watch the anime, we are covering One Piece as this is a part of the year of Ethan. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Oh. A week. Week of, week of Ethan. You can have your week, yeah. <laughs> so are we, are we reading all 106 volumes? No, we are oh. not. We are just reading volume one. We thought that that was a good place to start. And so for all of those folks out there that might be reading along, make sure that that's all you read. Because if you read more, well, we're not going to talk about it. But one thing we are going to talk about on today's program is our weekly polls. Yes, the uh, folks out there on our Twitter have been telling me that, hey, we need to cover more of those polls and what happened on those polls because we're really, really far behind. So, yeah, on today's show, I thought that we would roll out another five 
of those tremendous polls that we have had over the last couple of months here in the summertime. And so without further ado, J.A. Scott, why don't you give us the first poll on this week's show? Well, it rather appropriately, it is favorite anime. Ooh! So there are obviously a lot of anime. Uh, there were four to choose from, but you could also put in the comments if you like some other ones. Uh, the four to choose from were Akira, Spirited Away, Ghost in the Shell, and My Neighbor Totoro. Well, we're going to start off with our manga and anime expert, and that would be Ethan Larson. So of those listing, Ethan, what would be your vote? Evangelion. (laughs) (laughs) Not even on the list. Come on. At least pick something from the list. Um, Of those, I think I've seen three of them. Akira's Timeless. Ghost in the Shell, I still have no idea what even happens in that movie. Like, I've watched it three or four times, and I couldn't get past the naked woman at the beginning because I was 14. (laughs) So there you go. And then My Neighbor Totoro was very good, too. Um, There's this one quote in the English adaptation that we see. The one sister says the other one is like, Meg, be reasonable. So then we, my wife and I yelled that all the time. So be reasonable and pick Akira. All right. J.A., what was your vote? I went for Ghost in the Shell. Chad? The one I had seen most recently was the Akira, so that's the one I voted for. Okay. And that was the same thing with me. Did that end up winning, J.A.? That was the eventual winner at 38%, with uh, Spirited Away and Ghost in the Shell and my neighbor Totoro all taking 21%. So they all came in second place. That is quite the horse race. But uh, let's move on to uh, poll number two. Okay, so we go from something that's straight up Ethan's alley to something that's more up Andrew's alley and also Chad. Favorite non-Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Oh, this is tough. There are quite a lot to choose from. Which ones did we give the the listeners? uh, Miguel O'Hara, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, or Ben Riley. And then 276 others, four by four and other polls down the line of the thread, right? (laughs) Yes. All right, Chad. Of those four, who's your favorite? Oh, man. I got to go with Miles. Uh, they're all great. There's not one in there that I dislike. I mean, I, I love the Miguel O'Hara stuff back in the day. Um, I love Spider-Gwen, but there's uh, something just a little bit askew with, with those other representations that I think Miles brings something extra to the table and enhances the lore of Spider-Man. I don't feel like he's as derivative as oh, some okay. of the other characters. No, I think I'll agree with that. I didn't vote for Miles, but he, he should have been my vote. I mean, I voted for Ben Riley just simply because Scarlet Spider is still one of the best and most badass costumes of all time. Oh, it's all raggedy hoodie. Hoodies! But I, I agree that Miles really does fill a hole in the Marvel Universe that I didn't realize was there until like he appeared on the scene. And simply put... Whether you feel it's derogatory or not, I don't, but I really feel like he's now the Dick Grayson of the Marvel Universe. He's the torchbearer. He's that young, up-and-coming, next-generation superhero that, like, you're pulling for him. You're pulling for him to become something big, you know? Not that he's all not already big, but he's, he's, he's the future. So that's my choice. Ethan? Well, I have to defer to my son, who's also a Spider-Man expert, uh, because he's watches Spidey and his amazing friends religiously. Awesome. 
And uh, his favorite is Spin, which is uh, Miles Morales. So that's my vote as well. Okay. J.A., your vote before you get to the winner? Oh, I went with Miguel O'Hara because I got to give that 2099 some love. I used to love those comic books, man. You know, really wacky and weird and, and awesome at the same time it was. What were the bad words in 2099? Shocking. Chan? That's shocking true. <laughs> <laughs> They don't get enough credit. But Miguel didn't win, did he? No, Miles Morales, 34% to uh, Gwen Stacy at 32%. So it was a quite close. Uh, moving on, this poll ran with the Harbinger comic that we read. And I wanted to poll and ask what your favorite Harbinger comic book character names were. But Chad <laughs> having none of that. So we went with who is the quintessential Valiant character? Bloodshot, Exo Man of War, Shadow Man, or Ninjack. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's there's there's no Solar? Man of the Atom? Come on. Uh, uh, no, no, because he's, he's not. He's, he's gold, gold key. key. Uh, right. So he doesn't count. He's not an original idea. I would have gone with Gillen Adipada, but he was not. He didn't even make the vote. I, I feel like this was Exo Man of War's poll to lose. Because even though he didn't get the movie over Bloodshot, I still think he's the most well-known of all of the Valiant characters. Ethan, I mean, as an outsider, Exo Manowar is like the first one you think of, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was just going to say, is Bloodshot just Deadpool with, without the costume? Or what was what's his deal? Yeah, he had nanites. <laughs> Bloodshot's all about the nanites. But Exo Manowar won this in a landslide. Oh, wow. Was that your vote, Chad? I went Ninjack. I like Joe Quesada's art. That's the one Valiant book I bought back in the day for three, four issues. I still love the fact that J.A. on that previous show brought up, hey, I wonder if we can melt down some of those chromium cars, arbitrage them into some sort of circuit board. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be some rare earth metals in there. <laughs> You probably sell it for some scrap metal. It's probably worth more than the face value of the comic books. <laughs> I don't know. I, I sometimes I find those the the Exo Man Award Zero, and people are at least asking for five dollars. So what is this gibberish you guys are talking about? Solar? He's not an original idea. No, he belongs to the Gold Key. Him, Turok, uh, Magnus the Robot Fire. They were all Gold Key characters. Gold Key wasn't really publishing books, so they licensed the characters out to Valiant. And they ran with them, and that's why those characters are not currently a part of the Valiant universe. Because I was going to say, is badass. You just like that N64 game. That's true. What was poll number four, J.A.? Favorite speedster. This coincided with the Flash movie. So you had the Flash, you had Quicksilver, and then you had two jobbers to fill out the poll when Black <laughs> Racer and the Wizard. That Wizard is still the worst name for any super. Hero <laughs> ever. I mean, I don't know about you. When you when I hear the wizard, I think of a man who has an uncontrollable bladder issue. That's true. <laughs> You're in trouble. You're in. Oh no, it's the piddler. <laughs> the piddler. <laughs> so the wizard didn't get any votes. Um, no, he got. He got. He oh, came he in did? third. Yeah, or wow. second actually. Oh, he has. Right. He has my vote. Damn it. Wizard Black Racer 2024. Make America fast. <laughs> Do you know that the wizard was originally supposed to be Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's dad? Until they decided, no, that was stupid. And they gave that job to Magneto until they thought that was stupid. 
which I still have not forgiven Marvel for. The guy Is looks there... exactly like him. Look at Magneto. Look at Quicksilver. They look the exact the same. They have the same hair with the little flippy That's thing the... at the end. Haircuts are not heritage. Tell, tell that to the Osbournes. <laughs> <laughs> Who won between The Flash and Quicksilver, J.A.? It was a tie. What? No, that can't. That can't. I can't abide by that. Oh, we're going to have to bust out the Marvel versus DC to see who wins the race. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll say it right here. We're going to decide this poll right here. Regardless of who you voted for previous to this, everybody throw out their votes right now. We're going to see who wins. So, Ethan, your vote? Flash. J.A.? Make mine Marvel. I'm going Quicksilver. All right, Chad? I got to go Flash. <laughs> oh. I've got to go Flash 2, so that's going to be the winner. Flash is the official winner of this particular poll because it's the Flash. Although I, I hope it's Wally West Flash because I really still don't like Barry Allen. I'm just going to say, though, Quicksilver looks a lot better running on film than Flash does with that dancey, flippy arm thingy. <laughs> Absolutely, but then that was the whole budget for that movie. He just got one True. scene and that's it. Yes, that is very true. All right, so our fifth and final poll, and this one's the biggest one for this particular show. Now, I'm going to set it up because I feel like it reserves that kind of attention. A couple weeks ago, at the 4th of July, we had our annual Last Burger Shop Challenge, where we took 16 of the best burger shops in America, we put them head-to-head, we came up with a final four... And then we put it out to you as the uh, voters to pick who was the best of the burger shops out of those four, right? So, J.A., who were those final four? Burger King, In-N-Out Burger, Wendy's, or Five Guys? All right. So we're going to go around again, and everybody gets a vote before we just figure out who the, the fans voted on. Of those four, Chad, who's your winner? I said it on the show. I'll say it again here. Also, if you mess up a Five Guys burger, it's your own damn fault. Five Guys for the win. Five Guys for the win. J.A.? Oh, uh, I was I was in and out burger. Oh, all right. Ethan? I vote not with my head, but with my heart. And my heart says Team Baked Potato. So Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's W, baby. And I guess it's a sweet because I voted for Burger King. The Whopper is still the king. You can have it your way. They even made a Spider-Man burger, which I still... That's a paper crown. (laughs) He's a paper champion. It's not the... Spider-Man burger. They dyed the burger red. At at Five Guys, you can truly have it your way. At Burger King, the person behind the register sighs a lot and then eventually gives you... (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's different. Well, what did the voters... What was their winner, J.A.? It it was Five Guys in a landslide, an absolute landslide with 57% of the vote. Wow. Well, there you go. Year of Chad. Chad gets his burger. (laughs) Jeez. They you could say it. it's more expensive than it should be, and you're probably right, but man, you get you get what you pay for. You can right. get whatever that, toppings you want. Exactly. And then they again they throw a bunch of fries in a bag, they throw it at you. <laughs> get a grocery bag. You see this bacon? Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> All right. 
that. Well, that was all of our polls for this week. Make sure that you're checking us out still on Twitter. That's where we're still posting polls because, again, nothing has caught on yet. There's a lot of war going on there with social media, but we're still there posting polls. That should be a Twitter poll. (laughs) Which social media will reign supreme? (laughs) Still waiting for the one ring. Long story short, though, we've we've got a winner on this week's show. It's One Piece, and it will be uh, right after these commercial breaks. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, that's time of every single show where we often talk about American comic books, but not on this week's show. No, sir, we're talking about manga. Manga. Manga manga. And one of the most popular and well-known mangas of all time in One Piece. Now, J.A., you have quite a lot of facts about this particular series. And uh, hopefully it will drive home to all those listeners why, to Ethan's point, we should have covered this a long, long time ago. (laughs) Yes. Again, as we said at the top of the show, we are... Reading volume one, there are over a hundred volumes. Written and illustrated by Aichiro Oda, was first serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump in 1997 and has since been put out into 106 Takoban volumes as of July of 2023. It sold over 516 million copies. In 61 countries across the world, it's considered one of the best-selling mangas of all time. And in 2015 and again in 2022, One Piece set the Guinness World Records for the most copies published of the same comic book series by a single author. Best-selling manga 11 consecutive years in a row from 2008 to 2018. And although he does use assistance for background work. It's been told entirely by Ichiro Oda. And one of the big things with this Netflix show that is going to come out was uh, he saw this as his last opportunity to get One Piece in front of as many eyeballs as possible in his lifetime. And so he's been very hands-on not only with the book, which is uh, supposed to be uh, the final volume is starting at some point later this year, but uh, with the Netflix show. Because I guess with the cartoon, the cartoon wasn't as faithful to the One Piece manga 
at least in the the version we got here in the states. And so he, Ichiro Oda saw this as the one last best chance to get it right. And so hopefully this Netflix show uh, turns out pretty well. Absolutely. And, and again, I, I, the fact that like this has sold that many copies uh, and set Guinness Books of World's Records. I mean, I think that kind of dwarfs what X-Men won, which was like the all time best selling comic book here in America. Even at the top, the the pinnacle of comic books in America in the 1990s, like that didn't I think that sold like 21 million copies or something. Yeah, the collected comic book of all time goes One Piece, which is number one, Asterix, which is number two, Peanuts is number three, Golgo 13 is number four, and Lucky Luke, whatever that is. is oh, Lucky Luke, like a funny cowboy book from uh, over there in the Europe. So I forget exactly which country, but I've read some Lucky Luke. That's pretty good. That's been going on for quite a long time. It's 1946 to present. So yeah. I think we're going to have to read that on our next website. Ah, listen to you. <laughs> Get to the 10 cent synopsis before you start shelling out other books. Luffy wants to be the world's uh, greatest pirate. And uh, apparently there was a treasure that was buried out at sea by one of um, a notorious pirate at some time. And Luffy starts as a child in the book and he eats the gum gum fruit and becomes super, super stretchy. Gets a dinghy, goes out there, doesn't know how to navigate worth the uh, crap. And uh, starts to build his crew uh, for his uh, expedition. So he's trying to find the One Piece, which is the great pirate treasure that's buried somewhere in the sea. Ah, now, now if you find the One Piece, do you become the pirate king? Yes. Is that you the do, whole deal? You become the pirate king if you were find the One Piece. Here I was thinking it was one piece of treasure or something, but no, it's like a vast treasure house. Yes. Like I, I didn't yeah. get that. That's that's what I would assume it's a vast treasure. I mean, it's, it's pirates, so I'm just assuming it's like, you know, the comical, like, oversized trunk worth of treasure. That was my thought process when I was reading it. But yeah. you don't have the best-selling comic collection volume of all time if you're not quality work. And this is definitely quality manga. So I do have one question to ask before we get started in this whole thing. Chad, did you hate <laughs> it? No, no, I didn't. So I, my journey to this one was a little bit different than a lot of other books that we read in the fact that this is manga. And I know We've read a lot of manga over the years, and I've yet to find that manga that has really clicked with me. And there hasn't been anything that I found that I, I couldn't get elsewhere. And I equate it to, like, Harry Potter. I, everybody loves Harry Potter. And when Harry Potter came out, I was like, oh, it's cool, but it's, you know, it's the X-Men. You know, with little kids. But they're wizards. And, like, <laughs> every manga that has been out there, I've been able to say, like, yeah, it's cool, but it's this with a little bit of that. And so for this one, I decided instead of just going straight into one piece, I was going to do a strategy that Andy and I have talked about a lot. Like when we were first getting started with reading comic books, our first in wasn't just straight into comics themselves. It was licensed books, right? So you'd find those heroes and stuff that you're aware of. So I actually went out and this is another weird thing. I went to places that weren't my traditional comic shops. Ooh. And I bought some manga. And you know where I went? I went to Half Price Books and I saw Fake Red, which is a Spider Man book. And you know, I love Spider Man, so I picked that up. And then I went to Walmart to shop for toys. And what did I see? 
in addition to One Piece Volumes 1, 2, and 3 all uh, gathered together in one omnibus at uh, a cheapo Begito Walmart price, but I also saw Deadpool Samurai. And I was like, ah, oh, I know Deadpool. And so before I started One Piece, I read Spider-Man and Deadpool just to get me into it, get me used to to reading things sideways and all that other stuff. And I honestly think it helped because by the time I picked up One Piece, I I wasn't having as many struggles as I was in the past when we've read other manga where it's like I, I have to read pages over and over again because, you know, you're just retraining the eye. You, you have to come in, into this knowing that this is serialized storytelling at its finest. So it's soap opera, it's adventure, and it's something where you're not going to get concrete resolutions to stories everything is going to lead towards something else which is fine as like as long as you accept that i will have to say there are a significant amount of anime tropes that um you know appear that that chad said there's the the friend that starts out and then becomes his mortal enemy and then everybody wait wait, wait they're not best friends later on uh, i i don't know it doesn't, <laughs> seem, like, it doesn't seem like it uh, <laughs> And then there's also you meet the world's greatest whatever. Everybody's super powerful and um, is the the next god of whatever a niche that they have set up for themselves. Um, you work, you meet the world's greatest swordsman. Probably this woman that they pick up at the very end uh, that she wants to probably be the world's greatest navigator or. Something. Yeah, I was going to say, I wish I had done what you did, Chad, because it did take me a while to get into it. So uh, the volume we read had eight chapters and like probably through all the way through chapter three, I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> what is this portion that we're being forced to read? It's like trying to be funny and kitty and it at the same time, it's not because it's very violent and they're using bad language, which is where I think that probably the American cartoon fell down because they tried to aim it at kids. And this is definitely not aimed for kids, not not based on the language. Yeah. But by about chapter five, the king and the pirates and the master swordsman, when the action really started to pick up, I got hooked. And then I wanted to read. The, hey, on just, that note, the, the company that bought the anime, bought it as part of a package, didn't realize that it wasn't for kids. And so they ended up cutting significant chunks of the story to make it more palatable for kids. And that's one of the things that uh, the creator was all upset about. Well, the one thing that I wanted to kind of jump in here, I, I know for a fact that Chad has been somewhat critical of manga in the past because not only does sometimes it becomes a little bit derivative for him, but also the vulgarity that sometimes is in manga. Uh, again, we tried to go back to the one time we read the original oh, Dragon Ball yeah. and he had to put like post-it notes at all of the points where it was just like, no, this is where it goes off the rails and becomes this kind of disgusting. Honestly, yeah. those are my post-it notes of perversion. I was not a Dragon Ball fan. Right. <laughs> right. But at the same right. time, I don't feel like it was in that same vein. I don't think there was that kind of, tawdry you know womanizing feel that i got from this particular it was fun it was an adventure story i think the for the first time ever in my comic book career yuffie's powers as being super stretchy actually kind of make him badass like most of the time we just kind of laugh at like the stretchy people like elongated man or Mr. Fantastic. We're like, Oh, well, what can he really stretch? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, and, like, and Mr. Fantastic, they basically had to 
make him super smart because like your power sucks more or less. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know? But in this, like with gum gum pal and what gum gum launch or whatever he does where he flies out the tops of things, it's actually super useful if you were a pirate. Like he's bulletproof, evidently. The only thing you can't do is swim, which I didn't understand. I didn't get the swimming part. That's part of the, the devil fruit uh, gimmick. Oh. But the other thing, too, which it, I agree with you totally, it's not just uh, Luffy, it is everybody. With these gum gum fruit powers, the way that they are portrayed and utilized, it is really innovative. It is really fun. And and we're talking about like the cross-cultural uh, appeal. The thing about this is this isn't really heavy on some of the more sexual things that happen in a lot of anime manga stuff. It's more action adventure. And it's like stuff we're used to in America, PG-13 movie violence. We can deal with that. We can deal with people with limbs being dismembered, but don't show us, you know, sexy parts. That's... <laughs> and, there, and there's so much of like the popular manga. You have to have a cursory knowledge of Japanese, either history or Japanese culture to actually get the full nuance of what writers are trying to portray. And I don't, and this and one piece doesn't contain this at all. They basically stripped all those elements out and said, how do I make this? the most appealable product to a wide range of audiences that I possibly can. And so that, that I appreciated. I thought it, it read super fast. Like I read this in an hour. I plowed through it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I love anime. So if you give me quality anime manga, like I'm going to eat it up with a spoon and just enjoy everything about it. I uh, cut my teeth, so to speak, with manga about the time that one piece was published they had this magazine mixed magazine a lot of reprints of sailor moon had some parasite in it as well but that's basically where i got my start and ever since then i've fallen in love with manga and anime i'm not as well versed as probably your you know normal otaku i just have an appreciation deep appreciation so if you give me quality manga such as this i'm gonna eat it up and i understand the criticisms about the there is a lot of wanton violence and you have to kind of think of the age range which they, the oda was focusing on which is shonen jump which is basically aimed at 14 to 18 year old boys um so you're gonna put a lot of violence in your book you know that's gonna appeal to the masses so right i i mean you guys are all talking about this wanton violence i didn't think this was any more violent than a lot of the comic books i read when i was a teenager i mean ja yeah i, I don't think i mean what throws you is you're not ready for that violence because the art style is very cartoony i mean you know you get the big big eyes and the big mouths and and so in the West, uh, it's at least, you know, sort of the cartoons and animation that we grew up with, that sort of cartoony style tends to be more PG. And so to have that cartoon style and over-exaggerated and then suddenly someone's like heads chopped off or they're, they're shot and killed in a very yeah, point blank gruesome way. Yeah, in a very gruesome way. 
it's jarring because we're not used to seeing that juxtaposition of cartoony, fun, rubbery drawings and then, you know, blood and guts and gore. But what I will say in, in the defense of this is those moments are few and far between in this book. And as Ethan was alluding to, it's very accessible, including the fact that I can't emphasize this enough. When I wanted manga, I didn't go to my typical comic shops. You guys know we love comic shops here at the last comic shop. I went to Walmart. I went to Barnes and Noble. I went to Half Price Books. I went to popular places, and that's where the manga was. That's where the, the readers are. They're the ones that are picking this stuff up. I, I didn't have a problem as violent as it was at parts, you know, from my perspective, it didn't seem anything worse than you would see on broadcast TV. And so I, I think the accessibility is very high, you know, it's purposefully designed to be picked up and that's obviously worked to the point that, you know, I was going to talk about this later, you know, I, I got the physical copy. I was reading it at the beach and this is the first book I can think of in, in recent memory that I was able to hand to my kid and be like, hey, you want to read it? Go ahead. And like he read it in two days here at the beach because he wanted to read it. His friends talk about it. He had played One Piece Roblox games and he was telling me all about Luffy's gang. And, you know, there's a skeleton guy that comes into the mix eventually and the sniper that's the liar and all this other stuff that happens. Sorry, spoilers. But uh, like we were talking about it, he got excited about it. But like the fact that this is so accessible, I think, is huge, huge, because American comics, that's the one thing they don't have. They don't have that accessibility. Things are locked away in these dusty old comic shops. Sure, we have graphic novels that have sort of broken through slightly, but nowhere in the way that manga has, you know, where you can go to the store get eggs and milk and oh yeah one piece <laughs> it was like what comic books were back in the day i mean i, I yeah I, I i totally agree with that and there's so many things i agree with but we'll get to those in our with our ratings and that'll be coming up right after these commercial breaks so stay tuned And welcome to the Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the user name at caption life you'll get a new episode from us every week so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out greetings ghouls and boils i'm the ghoul master a loving homage to horror anthology narrators of yesteryear wait i'm an homage why didn't anybody tell me you'll hear from my agent about this But first, let's get to the heart of the matter. I'm here to tell you about the new horror anthology, Memoirs of the Morbid, on Kickstarter in time for Halloween. Memoirs of the Morbid is a black and white homage to classic horror comics from the 40s and 50s, containing five self-contained stories by some of the best indie comic creators out there. There's that word again. 
I'd better not find out homage is an insult. Anyways, Memoirs of the Morbid is completely done and ready to go to the printer. So don't make a grave mistake by missing it. <laughs> Alrighty, mateys, we are back! with more of The Last Comic Shop, and low on the horizon, we've got your ratings are... <laughs> this wheel is driving me nuts. <laughs> All right, well, our ratings, I'm not leaning into the pirate. I am leaning into the manga. Luffy the pirate is all, he gets his powers from the gum gum. So he's got gum gum whip or gum gum rocket. So we're one out of four gum gums. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go ahead and start off with Chad. Given again, it, historically he's been the most critical of manga. Um, so I'm very curious as to what he particularly gives this volume. So Chad, I enjoyed this. Like I said, it helped me bond with my kiddo a little bit. That was really exciting that we could talk about this stuff. I will say, you know, speaking of that critical nature that I have, I sometimes feel like Karnak where I feel, see the flaw in all things. There are some moments in the story where the storytelling gets a little choppy for me. Like when uh, Captain Redshanks loses his arm, you never really see that moment with the way the action happens. You just see the after effect. There's something muddled in between and that would kind of throw me and I, you know, then I'd have to go back and reread pages and be like, what was that? Wait, did I miss that? No, I didn't miss it. But the story uh, read easily. Sure, it is cartooning in you know in nature, and you get those exaggerated effects, exaggerated faces. But the action sequences are you know they're stunning, and the innovative use of all the powers, all that stuff is great. And so I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. There there are some flaws in here, but uh, it wasn't so much that I didn't finish all three volumes that I had in my little omnibus. In my head, I'm thinking, would I read volume four? Eh, I could or I couldn't. But uh, I asked the kid, and I was like, yeah, you want me to get the next one? He's like, yeah. So, all right, on to Amazon. Boop, boop. Because the stuff is so accessible. Volume four is going to be waiting for us when we get back from the beach house there. So my rating at the end of the day, I'm going to go 3.75. Is it the best thing I've ever read? No, but is it pretty good? Yeah, it's it's really good. It's It's worth your time. You know, the characters are fun. I love uh, Luffy's attitude about things. Like his pirate ethos, where he's there to, like, make friends and stick up for his friends. And, you know, that's the most important thing. Uh, I I just love that, as opposed to him being more of a a Jack Sparrow. It's just fun and joyful and really, really great. I'm sure some of the questions I have will be answered as the series goes on, because there's there's a lot more to go. But yeah, (laughs) 3.75. Well, there you go. I'll go next, and uh, I think I'm going to come down a little bit from the 3.75. I think I'm going to give it a 3.25. Uh, it is definitely better than average, and it is a very, very good manga. I have read a lot of manga series over my career, such as, again, like Berserk has always been one of my favorites, but that's way more violent and kind of dark at times. Uh, then definitely this is this is more accessible. This is truly an all ages book, despite the violence that we might have talked about. It's nothing uh, gratuitous at all. I think that's 
the easiest way to say about anything. None of the sexuality is gratuitous. None of the violence is really gratuitous. It's just simply like what you would see, I guess, in an anime uh, that would be on, I don't know, uh, Adult Swim or Toonami or, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so for me, it was just like, yeah, if you're a teenager, great, pick this up. But I, I will say this. I, I agree with Chad that Luffy does make this entire book. He is a fantastic main character. Uh, his character reminds me a lot of like Matthew McConaughey in which he's kind of like, all right, all right, all right. He's just like going with the flow, super easy, super chill, never gets like excited about anything in terms of like the threats that are out there. All he's excited. He's like, yeah, I'll be in Pirate King some someday. It's fine. I, I'm, I'm, he's got like this very natural confidence and charisma. And so that makes for a great main character. And and like video games, you get this Luffy character and then he starts to, you know, go to the next town where he meets his, the next person of your team. And then you go to the next town and you meet another person of your team. So like any great uh, JRPG, that's pretty much what One Piece is. And so that, that apple doesn't fall far from that collective tree. I'm already plying through volume two, probably move on to volume three. And yeah, I think I'm a one piecer at this point. So uh, 3.25. Hope it gets a little, even a little bit better from here, to be honest. Jay. Yeah, as I said, it took me a while to get in, not just the story, but also the art. But then once I about, you know, three chapters in, I was hooked and the art grew on me as well. I really did like that style of storytelling and I came to appreciate it more and more as it went on, especially the characterizations of Luffy and Zoro, the Swordmaster. And in reading uh, ahead of the show, some of the background on this book, I was interested, obviously we're reading the translation and some of this stuff gets lost in translation. For example, Zoro's signature move in Japanese is the Onigiri, which is written in English as the demon cut. But in Japanese, it's written one way, so you can read it and it sort of translates as demon cut. But when you say it, it sounds the same as how you would say rice ball. Oh. And there's a lot of these these little plays on words and stuff that some of it translates over, not all of it translates over. And I think that little whimsical aspect uh, just adds a little bit to it. So I'm going to give it 3.75. I think we're going to go on Amazon and buy it so that I can read maybe that omnibus that you have, Chad. As you know, I'm a, a big omnibus guy. <laughs> Jay, quick word of warning. Uh, because you are an omnibus man, and you're used to the finer things, the larger pages, the finely bound, uh, higher paper quality. This is not that. This is the way comics are meant to be. This is a whole crap ton of pages. They didn't put color in here. And it, this is cheapo Begito, but in the best way. It looks be not unlike a beach. It's like a beach paperback that you would get where you are for exactly. the beach. Exactly. And those kind of books are actually what I fell in love with. Like, that's what, when I keep talking about grayscale, this is what I'm talking about. Like, stuff that's printed on newspaper, crap paper, you don't have to, like, love it. But if you want to keep it, you can. It's very nice, you know, quality stuff, but it's not quality stuff. It's crap. But but it's, you know, it, it's just like, like you said, the paperback, beach read, you throw it in your bag, you don't have to think about it, you don't have to fuss, if the, if the, the cover creases, you're okay with it. So, 
Now to my rating. And I think that I'm I'm leaning more towards being 3.75, but I remember, I think back on the ethos of what this show actually is. And that's in bringing people into the tent. What brings people into the tent? One piece brings people into the tent. Chad already alluded to it. He showed it to his son. His son immediately recognized the characters, immediately recognized that his friends were talking about it, that there was Roblox games made of it. There's other video games made of it. We need more people in the tent. So if this gets you in the tent, please come in and read it. For that, I'm giving it a four because this is the most accessible manga that is out there. Like Chad said, my children are eight and five and each of them have thumbed through this book my sons looked at the pictures my daughter started to read a little bit of it enjoyed it and so that's that's all you're asking for with comic books sometimes is like can i present this to my kid and i'm not going to be embarrassed and unfortunately there's a lot of manga out there that you can be very very embarrassed with very very quickly and this is not one of them this is good stuff and i recommend it to anybody that you know has an inkling of manga or wants to be interested in reading comic books there you go and that is what we're all about bringing folks into the comic book tent and some other things that might bring you into the comic book tent are our recommendations yes this is the time of every single part of our show where we give you other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop in addition to one piece volume one or maybe you can pick it up at you know a walmart or barnes and noble or uh, as chad alluded to tons of places have manga nowadays but uh, comic book shops do as well so if you're in there picking up some of these other books make sure you snag a copy of one piece while you're in there if you are so inclined any case uh we're gonna go ahead and start off with jay scott this week so ja what is your recommendation as another quality book for folks to check out okay so i am going to recommend four single issues usually i like to recommend a series or something that comes together but these actually are all well with the exception of the fourth one Standalone by Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith. So he did this run in the 80s on X-Men where he would do one X-Men book a year. And he did it for three years in a row. It started off with a Storm and Forge story called Life Death in Uncanny X-Men 186. And then the next year he did Life Death 2 in Uncanny X-Men 198. And then one of my uh, – just a great, great story called Wounded Wolf, which has the first appearance of Lady Deathstrike as the cyborg adamantium clawed assassin. And then 214, the next year he did part of the Mutant Massacre. So that one doesn't stand alone as much. But the first three are just these beautiful – concept issues that you used to get with claremont when he would bring in somebody like barry windsor smith and you don't have to read 10 issues or 12 issues or in the case of x of swords 22 issues it's just one issue it's compact well-told story and barry windsor smith at arguably the height of his powers and just some incredible okay is Wonder Wolf the one that starts off with that wonderful, like, uh, Wolverine laying in, like, a bed? He's all hooked up to machinery or something like that? Yes, yes. It's that cover, because that cover is 
unrelated to the story, but that cover is almost like a teaser for what would become in the early 90s some of Barry Windsor Smith's last work on Marvel at that time, which is the Weapon X four-part miniseries. Well, there you go. Well, make sure that you're snagging those issues if you can find them. But I agree. Barry Windsor Smith, as we've talked about on this show, is an awesome, awesome artist. And another person who's an awesome, awesome artist is Herge, who you may recall we have covered one of his books on the last comic shop in the past in one of his adventures of Tintin. And so I am back with the final of my summer readings. Again, uh, this is talking about comic books that bring folks into the tent. Tintin has been doing that for decades. Uh, Starting off in, in Belgium, the adventures of Tintin running around the world, having adventures from everywhere, from the bottom of the ocean to deserts of Arabia to the moon. Uh, And there's a fantastic story called The Shooting Star, uh, a take on Tintin if it was kind of like a sci-fi comic book. But it starts off with a uh, meteor uh, that was about to crash with the Earth. It manages to miss the Earth just by a couple miles, but a smaller portion falls And it's up to Tintin to rescue this extraordinary meteorite and its fantastic properties before some bad corporation does. And so he goes on a quest with Captain Haddock, who's his longtime sailor companion, in a race to get this meteorite before the bad guys do. And once he gets to this island, there's giant bugs and giant mushrooms and all kinds of crazy wild stuff. But... Simply put, I'm, as I was reading uh, One Piece, it made me want to go back and reread The Shooting Star because I feel like there's a lot of parallels. Young adventurer on the high seas, trying to find a treasure, very accessible to all ages. So if you enjoy One Piece, I think you owe it to yourself to check out some of that old Tintin stuff. I think it still holds up extremely well. And gosh, my son loves it. Chad. Okay, so I I started the show. I was talking about the books that I went to to help me get into manga. The Deadpool Samurai would not be my official recommendation as that was one of those not-for-me books. Like, their understanding of Deadpool in that felt like it was strictly MCU-based. You know, and as somebody who's a longtime comic book fan, I'm like, well, that's actually not what it's like. Whenever Loki comes in, he wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> and, and, you know, I had a lot of those issues. And also... There are some of those common tropes that I, I encounter a lot in manga that make me feel kind of icky that showed up in that Deadpool book. But if you're a Deadpool fan that has come from the MCU, the art in the Samurai book is awesome. And then I got to Spider-Man Fake Red. And the story and art is by Yasuki Osawa. And the basic premise for this one is... There's a teenage uh, screw-up who finds Spider-Man's costume thrown away in a garbage can, as one does. And he picks it up, and he's the same size and build, and he likes to uh, rock climb in his spare time. Uh, But anyway, he takes the suit, he puts it on, and sure enough, the, the responsibility of having the suit leads him, without superpowers, into taking Spider-Man's place. And sort of like filling in for him at the the scene of these crimes. Like he's wearing the suit and there's a fire. And he's like, what? you know, what would Spider-Man do? And he rushes in to help. And meanwhile, while that's going on, the real Peter Parker 
is in the sewers because he has been corrupted by the Venom symbiote. And so whereas the Deadpool book felt like, oh, this is somebody with a cursory knowledge of the MCU telling a Deadpool story. With this Spider-Man book, I genuinely felt like there was someone that had understood the last 20, 30 years of Spider-Man comic books. It's almost like the Ultimate Universe where they didn't have the continuity backlogs to weigh them down. They took the best ideas of some of the Dan Slot run p- characters like Screwball, and they combined them with this take, you know, this fresh set of eyes with this kid, you know, acting like Spider-Man and learning about power and responsibility and all that stuff. And really, like, by the end of this book, I tears in my eyes. Like, it's a beautifully told Spider-Man story. And so, manga fan or not, I definitely recommend that you go and you pick up Fake Red and the art is is wonderful and it's it's its own take you know it's mixing things up but it does so in such a way that the story was fresh and you know me with a lot of the dan slot ideas i think dan slot has wonderful ideas but i wasn't always crazy about the execution i'm like oh man here's somebody else taking dan slot's ideas and making them better again <laughs> but yeah it, it it was so well done uh, you know, everything comes together at the end and it's just, it's, it's worth your time and, and money there. All right. Ethan, why don't you close us out? So my recommendation is going to start with, uh, basically anything that's at your local Walmart that Chad Smith, uh, alluded to earlier. It's pretty much anything's going to be good. So if you find my hero academia, you find jujitsu Kaisen, you find demon slayer there, go ahead and pick it up give it a try, you know, whatever, you know, Andrew said that he discovered comic books back in the day was just, you went to the rack of comics and you just picked one up. Hey, Hulk looks good. Iron Man looks good. I recognize Wolverine, you know, whatever this is, it's the same equivalent for manga. So I would recommend any of that. And one of those things that might be at your local Walmart is one punch man uh, written by one and Yusuke Murata. It's actually uh, Saitama wants to be the greatest hero of all time, but he can conquer everything with one punch. You know, criticize capes very much on this show, but this is kind of taking capes and turning it on its head. You give you give you somebody an all all powerful hero, and then what do you do with them? How do you give them you know gravitas? How do you make the extraordinary ordinary, uh, which is the kind of the case in One Punch Man? So it's very good read. It turns a lot of anime tropes and superhero tropes on its head, and I fully recommend it. Uh, it's one of my one of my biggest recommendations that I probably had on this show. So you can start with Volume One um, and go down the line, or if there's a nice little you know selection where it includes issue of Volume One, Two, and Three, pick that up for yourself as well. Or you can check it out on Netflix, um, which is in the Japanese dub, which is very good. All right. Well, that's all the time we had for Last Comic Shop this week. So we're going to wrap up this show very quickly. So, Chad, are you ready, sir? On your mark, get set, go! Okay, website. What's the website, Andy? That's www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. What about the social medias? What are the social medias? Everything. And nothing. Lots of stuff. Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, and, and a bunch of other ones that we can't mention because they might change next week. <laughs> Threads. There you go. What's the merch available this week on the website, J.A.? Well, you've got always t-shirts, coffee mugs, tote bags, and this week's straw hats to go with your pirating. R matey. Don't touch my straw hat. <laughs> In addition to East Blue One Piece Volume 1 Romance Dawn. 
by Ichiro Oda. Our recommendations this week included Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith's uh, work on X-Men, including Life, Death, and issues 186, 198, Wounded Wolf, and 205, and The Mutant Massacre in issue 214. Andy recommended Herge with Shooting Star. Uh, I recommended Spider-Man Fake Red by Yasuki Osawa. Ethan said go to Walmart and find some manga, including One Punch Man. You can find volumes 1, 2, and 3 packed in there. And then, Ethan, what else should people do to support the show? Mash that five-star review, baby. Like, subscribe, download as many episodes as you can. Andy was just uh, telling me the other day that people who catch on to our show not only download one episode, they don't not only download two episodes, but they download three, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 20 episodes. Why? Because all of our episodes are evergreen. At least we try to. We try not to talk about things that are happening on current so that you guys can just download and listen to as many shows as you possibly can. There you nice. go, and Andy. Get us out of here with a bad dad joke. All right. Until next week, I was those with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful Ethan Larson. And we hope that you stay safe, stay on the high seas. <laughs> That's my favorite. Got my pouch. <laughs> there once was a ship that flew to sea. The name of the ship was the Belly of Tea. And remember that. There is one month that trees always fear. It is September! Monday, <laughs> oh, the weatherman comes to bring us soda and tea and rum. No, no not sea shanties. Oh. <laughs> Can you work Ecto Cooler into that? Wasn't that one of those high sea drinks? Oh, what will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning? production.